Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 210. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Hola, Fire Nation. Quick shout out to our sponsor, LegalZoom. Where do you turn for affordable legal protection that you can trust? Are you looking for a company who will take care of you from start to finish? Visit LegalZoom.com today to find help with starting a business, protecting your family, or safeguarding your assets. And don't forget to enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. Okay, FIRE Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Brad Costanzo. Brad, are you prepared to ignite? I am ready. <laughs> All right. Brad is a dot-connecting entrepreneur who has used hidden points of leverage to build, expand, and sell businesses. He is a five-time best-selling publisher and shows clients how to multiply their profits by dividing the rights to their assets. His three favorite questions are, who else, what if, and why not? Given Fire Nation a little overview, Brad, but why don't you take a minute Tell us about you. We want to get to know you personally. And then tell us about your business. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate being on here. This is a lot of fun and yeah. I love what you're doing. Thank you. At Entrepreneur on Fire. I, uh, I'm a big fan and i um, excited to be a part of this. So what can I, uh, wh- where should I start? What would you like me to tell you about my background? I don't want to go into the useless stuff. But, well, we want to um, know about you personally. Let us, let us get to know Brad. Cool. So I'll, I'll try to give you the quick backdrop. I was, um, I, I've been in... The, the business of finance and economics and, you know, as a financial advisor, as a financial analyst and anything completely unrelated to marketing, really, my <laughs> entire career. I'm, I'm 39 years old and uh, I had been really just a part of the corporate machine for many, many years, although there was always this entrepreneurial bug and I was always kind of I guess, moonlighting on the side, doing something, whether it was real estate investing or selling products or services independently while I still had my job. So I always had this little entrepreneurial bug, but um, was always kind of afraid to step out and just do it on my own because I really didn't know what I was doing. And about five years ago, uh, maybe five and a half years ago now, I was lucky enough to get laid off from a job that I had for seven years and it was uh it was keeping me it was it was keeping me fed it kept food on the table it was um it was paying decently I didn't dislike my job it was actually pretty easy but I was I was perfectly in my comfort zone and that was actually allowing me uh, or I, I should say that was keeping me from growing anymore and where a lot of people look at being laid off and fired as a as something really negative, I looked at it as a blessing because it was like the mama bird kicking the baby bird out of the nest. And it allowed me to, um, to, to work on, some, you know, to work on my own business. Now, I do think I was lucky enough at the time to read the book that has inspired a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the marketing and information marketing game, which is the, the four hour work week. By Tim Ferriss, a past yes. guest of Entrepreneur on Fire. Yep. And I, um, so I, I read that book at the exact same month that I got laid off, and it was, call it divine influence or synchronicity or whatever you want to call it, but it allowed me to look at my life at that point and say, okay, I can either put my resume together and go schlep around and uh, try to get another job 
and another you know interview and I hated that process of just trying to go and I just saw it as kissing butt to get somebody to say you're good enough for me to uh, you know have you come work for me doing other stuff that doesn't ignite your soul and your passion and I thought you know I can either do that or I can take some of the principles in the four hour work week and carve a place for myself and this may be the best timing to do it. And, you know, interestingly, a lot of people read the four-hour work week and they get excited by the idea of working four hours a week right. or they get excited by the idea of making thousands of dollars a month and traveling the world and living life on their own terms. What really resonated for me was the fact that, number one, the technology, the infrastructure, you know, the ability to outsource, everything existed now for the first time really in history, the democratization of kind of business opportunities. And it said that if you learn the processes to build these little systems, even if they're little microsystems, but how to turn information into income, if you do that, you will never have to worry about interviewing and impressing somebody else again because you will always be able to to create your own path even if it's just enough to subsist on um it it was the it was the ticket out of corporate slavery for me and that is what really attracted me to it is building systems utilizing the tools that we all have to create our own path and i think that's why i also didn't get discouraged when all you know i was working for a year or two and i you know, I was still working more, more than four hours a, a week, and I wasn't disillusioned by this. I was like, I'm, I love this. I'm ready to go. And it, I started to see more success and more success. I think it was because I was focused on the, um, the end goal. I had that kind of in mind. But, um, you know, f- fast forward now, you know, five and a half years, and I still haven't had to, you know, get a day job. And I, I don't imagine I ever will. That's powerful stuff, Brad. And that's exactly what we're going to be delving more into later in the interview, how you brought that passion, that desire to fruition. But before we do, we start every Entrepreneur on Fire interview off with a success quote to get that motivational ball rolling. So take it away. My success quote is something that a friend of the family told me several years ago. And it's you'll see as we talk about what I've been doing lately has become strangely appropriate. But he he said to me back when I was just starting off my way, didn't really know what I was doing, but he said, Brad, live your life like you're writing a book about it. Write a good book. Boom. And yeah, and that really affected me. And what it allowed me to really uh, realize is that what, you know, what are the, the best books in the world are full of drama and ups and downs and twists and turns. And the last book you ever want to read is a book where it's just simply straight, narrow, and predictable. Predictable is, you know, I don't want to, you know, write a predictable book. I want my life to be up and down. And that allows me to look at the negatives and the adversities and the things that when they don't go wrong is just going, man, that's going to make an awesome chapter. Now in the next chapter, I'm going to turn that around and rewrite, you know, and, and write the, you know, the, uh, the, the way that I want it to go. So it's been a, a beacon for me to, you know, in good times and bad. For me, that is just a great light bulb moment that so many entrepreneurs are blessed to have. That moment when they really realize, wow, I can write my own script. Life, in a way, is a game that I can play and I can manipulate the controls because this is my life. If I want to pick up and move cross country, I can do that. If I want to walk out of my job and start a passion, I can do that or not. I mean, literally, once you have that light bulb moment that you're in control, that you're not being swept up in this river of life itself, 
that is incredibly powerful and has launched many careers. But Brad, we're not going to talk about an aha or a light bulb moment right now. We're going to talk about a failure, a failure that you've had in your journey when you were just in despair and you had to dig deep to overcome that failure, that challenge or obstacle. Share that with us. Share that with Fire Nation and how you overcame that. Well, John, I've never had a failure. I've never had a setback. I've never experienced a moment of adversity. I mean, my <laughs> yeah. life's been easy. It's <laughs> what are you talking about? No, I, I wish. Actually, it's been uh, those are the things that um, have really driven me forward. I mean, I could talk about I could talk about the times where I have lost six figures investing. Um, Ooh, let's talk about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Well, and, and actually, they've been they've been tremendous learning experiences for me. So it's happened several times in my life. And w- the first time I, it happened, I was uh, I was a financial advisor, and it, you know, stock market was doing awesome, and I had you know I, I had accumulated my own savings, and this was you know doing really well. And I decided to let's you know th- this working thing sucks, but. You know, investing is fun. I can make a whole lot of money. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna margin. I'm gonna borrow money to buy more stocks and do all this other stuff. And I kept on uh, margining myself and thinking that I'm gonna let these stocks do all the work for me. And you know, I, I got handed a big, big lesson: losing everything within a within a few months. And then the next thing that you know, I uh, came across another investment and I did the exact same thing. In between, I was making the money back, and this was a really interesting. Uh, it was a really interesting pattern that I was in. So I would uh, I would invest everything in something else that I did not control, and I'd right. lose it. And then immediately I said, "Oh man, I got to find a way to make this back." So I was, uh, you know, I I was broke. I was like sixteen thousand dollars in debt. I read a book on real estate investing. I was halfway through, and I stumbled across an opportunity to buy a few foreclosures. And I just jumped in, and I bought them. Baptism by fire. Made about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars over the course of nine months doing that. So I made my money back. I was like, that was great. Then I invested it in something else that I didn't control. Lost that money immediately. Came back, bought another house, made that money back. And what? And then it happened actually a couple more times before you know. I finally had the wake up call, and I realized that when I invest, when I when I hand somebody else the reins to my life and my money and expect them to do the work that's going to provide me the freedom and success that I want, I've lost money every single time. When I invest in myself, whether that's mentorship, training, building a business, buying a house, doing something that I control, I've made that money. And it has been every single time <laughs> uh, that that has happened. Maybe I just made make foolhardy decisions, but it's when I, when I hand my future to somebody else, I lose when I when I take it back into control, I make it. But I've literally had to start over several times in my life and just be like, holy crap, I literally had six figures in the bank account yesterday Ugh. or what seemed like yesterday, and now I'm in debt wow. and got to make it back up. Well, Brad, I don't know if you're a Downton Abbey fan, but I know that I am and many Fire Nation listeners are as well. And there was just a great scene recently in Downton Abbey where the master of this huge estate back in the 1920s of England was just telling his son, 
we need to invest overseas in America. That's where it is. And then someone's like, no, we need to invest in our own property here. What we know, what we can uh-huh. do and affect. And then the master of the house says, well, but this, this guy, his name's Ponzi. It's a no-lose scenario. Let's bet the house. And obviously, you know, anybody that's watching it now knows what the Ponzi scheme is and, and exactly what would have happened had that master just gone and, you know, done that sure thing that he had no idea about across the big pond in the United States. So, Brad, pull out one clear lesson that you can share with Fire Nation about these experiences, these failures and challenges that you've encountered? Well, the lesson for me was number one to ask if I'm ever spending a or investing a, a large amount of money is to really ask myself and dig down deep, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I believe that this investment, one, and once more, this is whether I'm investing in mentorship with a uh, you know, with a business mentor, which I'm a big fan of doing, whether I'm investing in my own business, buying, you know, hiring people or buying things that I need to do or buying advertising, or if I'm investing in a stock, real estate, et cetera, to ask myself, why am I really doing this? Am I doing it because it makes a lot of sense? Am I doing it because I, I want somebody else to make money for me? Am I doing it because um, I think that it, you know, that it's, it's really wise and I've and I have gone through, you know, the analysis to say this makes sense based upon my overall goals, you know, or am I letting somebody else try to do the work for me so that I can be lazy? And that is the biggest lesson that I've gotten. And it's, and it's kept me from investing in a lot of different opportunities, which the more successful you are, the more opportunities that come your way and the more opportunities to lose money if you're not prudent. <laughs> but that has been the biggest thing where it's kind of stopped me and said, wait, why am I doing this? And if things go badly, am I in control or is somebody else in control? Can I steer the ship back to, um, you know, to, to, to safety or do I just have to put my faith in somebody else? And I'm not a big fan of putting my faith in somebody else if I don't have um, complete and utter trust in them or that I don't have some input. But that's been the biggest lesson for me is ask why. I'm doing it and be and be really brutally honest with myself. There's a great quote. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And when you can continue to stay in that mind frame and stay in that situation, you are really not going to be put in those out of control scenarios where you're just kind of watching situations spiral out of control. So that's just great advice, Brad. And it's a great segue to the other end of the spectrum from failure which is the aha moment, that light bulb that comes on when you say, wow, this is my authentic self. This inspires me. This is my passion, my drive. Take us back to a time, Brad, when you had a light bulb moment, when the clouds just parted, the sun shined through, and you said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to drive forward with. And how'd you turn that moment into success? That's a great question. So I've had a couple of them in my life. And uh, the very first one I alluded to a little bit earlier where I had read the four-hour work week. And it had been, and I don't remember exactly if I had read it right before I got the notice, uh, my 30-day notice before you're, you're out of a job, or if I had read it right afterwards. But I remember sitting there, I mean, I remember sitting in my in my recliner, reading that thing, going over it. I read the entire book probably in one sitting, and then I reread it like two more times with a highlighter and went all over it. But that was the moment where I really realized that, you know, number one, there is a there is another way out there. You don't have to be stuck in, you know, the the rules that 
you know, we're, you know, we have to work real hard and save our entire lives and then hopefully retire when we're too old to, you know, enjoy a lot of the things we want to do. But there was that epiphany that, okay, there is technology there. The world is a smaller place out there and I can tap into all of these things for an affordable price. You know, it's, it's almost impossible to build a business for, you know, for free. It does take a little money to make money or at least time. And we all know time is money. So it was a, ma- it was a massive epiphany that said, <clears throat> there is another way and you are in control of it. If you simply, uh, you know, look to people, look to other people who have done it, model what they've done, push forward, keep your eye on the prize. You can, I mean, God, and that sounds like such a rah-rah speech, but it is so true. And that was that epiphany that said, I'm never looking back. I'm, and I think I even wrote in a journal, I will never create a resume again, unless it is to <laughs> a resume to, to, to raise capital for my business or to do something like to get a loan or something like that. But I will never create a resume and hope to get hired by somebody again. That was a, that was a massive epiphany. And it, it, it's what drove me further and further. And I also told myself, well, the worst thing, the worst case scenario is I build these skills and I, and then it, I'm a dramatic failure and I go, I have to go back and get a job. But by telling myself that I already made that the worst case scenario. And I refuse to have my life, you know, be okay. Well, that's the worst case. You know, I failed. So that's kind of pushed me on to succeed. But that was a, that was a major epiphany that pushed me forward to create an information product business and to learn the, uh, you know, the world of marketing and, you know, kind of led me up to where I am today. But that was definitely my first epiphany. Powerful, Brad. Thanks for sharing that with us. Have you had an I've made it moment? Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually did. One more time. I, it was, I, I keep on going back to that, that book, The 4-Hour Workweek, but it was the principle in it. But where I was, uh, I was in business for about a year and a half, I believe, maybe two years in my uh, with my first information product, and um, I looked back and I realized one month, I think it was the month of July, a couple of years ago, where I looked back and I, I had made, I can't remember exactly what it was, but let's just say, I think it was probably, let's just say, ten thousand dollars net that month, and I realized I'd only worked about four hours that month, so about one hour a week on that. But at the same time, I was working about 12 hour days. I was working on another project, creating a, a completely new business. And at that moment, I go, holy crap, I've achieved that four hour work week that I set out to do. <laughs> I wasn't working four hours a week, but I literally could. I was working four hours on that business. I could have been at the beach. I could have been doing anything I wanted that week. And holy crap, I made it. Even though I was working my butt off, that was a that was kind of one of those times where I went, wow, that's that's really cool. And then the second time happened, um, that big epiphany moment, or not epiphany moment, but where you just said, wow, I've made it, was back in December where I sold my, um, my business that I had started you know, five years ago. And it came full circle. And I was like, wow, that was, that was cool. I actually built up a business with a lot of value and I, and I sold it for a good chunk of change. And um, that, that, cl- that closure of that loop really made me stop and smile and be grateful for all the work I'd done over the past five years. So Brad, we don't have a ton of time to dig deep into this, but I know that I would love to hear, and Fire Nation would as well, that experience of selling a company that you've created. So quickly take us through just that last part of selling your company. Who reached out to you? How did the negotiations start? How did they end? And how did you end up walking away? So it was pretty amazing. The uh, the product that it was an information product that I had created, and um, 
it was it was based around a personality, like a, a guru type personality, right. which really kind of blew me away that uh, somebody would end up you know purchasing this because I thought it was a, also a paradigm shift. It wasn't just a third party business. It was something that I was on video. I was teaching. I did have a pen name, you know, for doing this, but. Um, at the time, I was really burned out on this business, and I was not working in it passionately. I was letting it go. I was working on a million different things, including what I've been doing recently, which is more of the book publishing. But um, I was talking to a friend, and he said, have you ever thought about selling this? And I really hadn't. I thought I was going to have to let it go and just kind of dissipate you know, worthless because I was not wanting to work in it anymore. And... Um, I talked to a website broker and it was really as simple as this. I, I wish I could say it was this, you know, amazingly <laughs> inventive process. Talk to a website broker. He's like, no, bro, you got a lot of value here. The, the, it's, it's making good, steady money and it's pretty hands off. And I guarantee there are some buyers out here who would be interested in this. So within a couple months, I had, uh, well, I had one offer. It fell apart, had another offer. It came back and the, uh, the process was actually pretty smooth. It, you know, the negotiation lasted about 30 days, providing information, you know, Showing him, showing him my books, just proving to him that, yeah, the business is making this much money and it requires this little work. And um, he, uh, I, I'm not allowed by, uh, by the, the terms of the, of, the, of the sale agreement to say like how much I got or, or what the valuation was, but let's just say it, um, it, it closed within 30 days and it gave me enough money to, let's just say, uh, make a big transition. I moved from Dallas to San Diego to restart my life and to work in some of the things that I'd been doing on the side, uh, the book publishing and consulting, and to do that to a, you know, an even larger scale. But the whole process from soup to nuts was like September, the end of September through we closed, I think on December 4th. And uh, I was working with a really good website broker who just facilitated the whole process. And now I'm actually helping another friend of mine sell his business as well, kind of working with my broker as a co-broker because the process was so much fun. Wow. Well, that's just exciting stuff. And it is proof in the pudding that there are so many people out there that are willing to pay for a validated product or service. That fast forward button that people can just press to get there faster. You created this amazing content, this audience, this social proof, and people are willing to pay for that. And one of your friends is doing a similar thing now. So if you get out there and you create something, even if you are branded on that product, it is still an absolute transaction that can happen. So thank you for sharing that with us, Brad. Absolutely. Let's talk about you right now, present day. In San okay. Diego, what is something that's exciting you in your business right now? Well, right now, what I'm really excited about was a, um, there's two aspects of this. So I had an, my, my second epiphany was about a year ago where I really was, I was studying all these various different business models and just trying to figure out, well, how could I be doing this stuff better? And as it, as it applies to information marketing, I realized when I want free information, I go to Google. When I intend on buying information, there's one place I go to, Amazon. I was like, that on its most basic level, it was a kind of a no-duh forehead slapping moment. Like, I'm an information buyer, and when I intend to buy information, where do I go? I go to Amazon, assuming that some, you know, I'm not on a list of another guru who sent an info product out to their page and tried to heavily persuade me to buy their stuff. When I know I want to buy, I go to Amazon. Same thing with products, actually. I mean, I, Amazon and UPS are like Santa Claus to me because <laughs> just about every other day I'm buying stuff on there. So I made it a mission to really study and understand the Amazon marketplace to a large degree. So I started working with one of my, um, 
with what he was, he's a friend of mine. I had done some consulting with him as well, kind of just for free. And, uh, he had, he had published a book on Amazon. He put it out on Kindle and I think he had sold 45 copies within six months. So I said, let me run with this. Let me see what I can do. I've, I've really been studying this. I'm going to apply all my marketing principles of the past five years. And we took his book, we rebranded it, relaunched it, and created an entire marketing campaign around it, or at least I did, and pushed it out to the world. And now it's, you know, it's been number one bestseller. It is continuously doing a nice five-figure royalty every single month, Lead, led to some licensing deals, led to a second best-selling book um, you know, that we launched a few months later. Later. And it's just been amazing what it's done both for credibility, lead generation, positioning him as a best-selling author, which has led to some uh, right now in negotiation for some infomercial deals and just really take the, the credibility indicator or enhancement of a, of a best-selling book has been enormous for his business. And his business has grown about 500% really over the past six months. I'm not attributing that just to the book, but it definitely, definitely helps. As I said, now we've got two books there. So people started coming to me saying, hey, I love what you did for him. Can you help me do that as well? So I started on taking new clients as a publisher. So people will say, are, are you a best-selling author? I said, no, I'm a, I'm a best-selling publisher. So what I started to do was work with people. And this kind of goes back to... Um, the thing that I'm most passionate about, and it, and it answers those three questions though that uh, you said that my favorite three questions are, which is who else, what if, and why not. So I started to position myself as let me work with people who already have a following, who already have a platform, who are already, let's even say, have a back end, uh, as opposed to just brand new authors. But let me take what I know and leverage their you know, leverage their, their efforts, their brand, and their following to help create a best-selling book and to position them as um, even more credible than they are. And that allowed me to partner with them in many ways, and it led to some consulting arrangements. But um, it happened three more times over the past few months where, you know, two best-selling real estate investment guides, books on Amazon, another uh, another uh, like a vegetarian book that you know was number one in all of uh, I think it was all cookbooks or something a really high level category on Amazon and this is leading like already opening doors opening doors to all of these other um, opportunities for the authors that I choose to work with um, some of what I've done in this area is could be considered licensing. I've licensed content, I've licensed brands and distribution networks and really positioned their intellectual property a different way than most people do. And this, this would probably take another hour to really dive into it. But what I've realized is that the intellectual property that that these authors, experts, speakers, trainers have can be used in so many more ways. One is book publishing, and then number two is breaking into the kind of the business to business or business to consumer market and allowing them to leverage the distribution channels. Other people are out there looking for content, looking for intellectual property that they can educate their customers with, that they can, you know, sell through as opposed to selling to an individual. Um, and it's been, it's been amazing just to see the reception that a lot of authors are coming to me now and saying, will you, will you please help me publish this? I need the credibility and I need the, the royalties, et cetera. Actually, the royalties are the least reason that people end up looking for a best-selling book. But um, I've, been, uh, I, I've kind of been rambling here, and I'm going to open up this up to any questions, but it's been really exciting and what I've been working on here the past 
almost a year now. Well, Brad, this is exciting stuff. And I know that Fire Nation has been furiously taking notes and making a mental note to go and check you out at your website. I do want to make a little side note. I know this little known author, John Lee Dumas, who wrote this book, Podcast Launch. He he runs this podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. You should look him up. He could probably use some help. I've heard about him. (laughs) Nothing but bad stuff, though. (laughs) Wow. Oh, no. Seriously, Brad, this is exciting stuff. Fire Nation realizes the power of Amazon that be everywhere strategy. You want to be on Google. You want to have podcasts. You want to be blogging. You want to be on YouTube, LinkedIn, social networks in general. And Amazon is that next big hill to conquer. And that's exactly why I did launch my book, Podcast Launch, with 15 video tutorials of how to launch your podcast for that exact reason. Because so many people are going to Amazon, searching for content to buy. You type in podcast, podcast launch is the first result that you have there. And I've gotten so many sales and just people finding out about my podcast for the first time because of it. So it's incredibly powerful. Right. And I'm happy to talk to you about any of the other strategies that uh, you know I've learned that can help even leverage what you've done to a, to a larger degree. It's, it's really, I mean, it's really an amazing tool and a springboard for, um, for success. And it can lead to so many other ways to leverage your intellectual property. And you know, that word leverage, that is maybe my favorite you know, word and it ties into those three questions because I'm always looking for the shortcut. I'm always looking for ways to, um, to look for the greatest points of leverage with the least amount of frustration, infrastructure work, because I mean, I am, I guess I should use the word lazy. I don't like long, complicated process. So whenever I have a business problem, do I need more traffic? Do I need more product? Do I need, you know, whatever, do I need to grow? Do I need to expand? I ask myself those three questions. Who else? So who else has what I need at the time that I need it? Um, and then I ask myself this question and I make a big list. And I say, well, what if I help give them what they want? What if I sol- help solve their problems? What if I provide this value to them in this way? And, and how will the, what will those pictures look like? So I can come up with like 10, 20, whatever different scenarios of, of leveraging what they have by giving them what they want and adding that value, mm. the last, the very last question is why not? Is there any reason that this wouldn't work? Am I do I have flawed logic anywhere? And if the answer to why not is there's no reason why not, I make that proposition. And what I'm really really good at is finding those hidden points of leverage in a in a person's business that is oftentimes hiding in plain sight. Those forehead slapping moments, and I get so many times like, oh my god, why didn't I think of that? That is that is awesome. Let's let's run with it. I'm terrible with incremental process improvement. Please don't ask me, hey, how can I grow my business 10% this year? I can probably tell you, but that doesn't ignite me. That doesn't put me on fire. What puts me on fire is finding those points of leverage, opening up new channels of, of distribution or, or value that they never saw as possible, Amazon being one of them. And then you know, licensing their intellectual property in many different ways is another one. But that's the stuff that really lights me on fire and, um, and gets me to do my best work. Powerful. Okay, let's take a quick second to thank our sponsor, LegalZoom. Fire Nation, are you waiting for the perfect time to start your business? Are you hoping to find legal protection you can trust at an affordable price? Then you're in luck. 
Visit LegalZoom.com today for an award-winning service developed by the best legal minds in the country. LegalZoom can help you start and maintain a business with incorporation, LLC filings, trademarks, and copyrights. LegalZoom is here to take care of you from start to finish, and every business gets personalized attention. That's why over 90% of LegalZoom customers would recommend the service to their family. LegalZoom is not a law firm and provides self-help services at your specific direction, but there's so much more. Now every LLC and incorporation package includes easy-to-use business accounting software, a $269 value free. Be sure to enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. Start your business, protect your family, and safeguard your assets at LegalZoom.com today. So Brad, we've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round. I thought we were going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I provide you with a series of questions, and you come back with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like you a bet. plan? Let's do it. All right. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Fear of, fear of the unknown, fear of, fear of failure, and not really defining what failure meant. Once I defined that failure is not a big deal, and you know, what's the worst that could happen? And I realized the worst that could happen wasn't really all that bad. Uh, I got rid of that failure, but it was yeah, fear of failure. What is the best business advice you've ever received? Start with the end in mind. Too many times I've started just down the, the path of, uh, hey, I need cash flow and let's just jump into this and see what happens. And uh, I do like to start things quickly. But when I started just figuring out, well, what is the end goal of here? You know, put that, put that beacon in the end or the, what do you call it? The, uh, the lighthouse at the end that allowed me to focus on doing all the right things, forgetting all the wrong things because I knew, okay, am I building this for cash flow? Am I building this to sell the business? Am I building this for credibility? What am I doing? And that just helped so much as beginning with the end in mind. It sounds so cliche, but it's been really powerful for me. What is something that's working for you right now? Leveraging, um, Leveraging other people and working with them, collaborating as opposed to competing. Um, even, even in my prior product or my prior information business, I looked at my competition as co-opetition and I figured how else can we work together and collaborate to give our, all of our customers the things that we really want and set up deals that would uh, benefit both of us. And that has really led to everything that I'm doing in the book publishing business and the licensing business is collaboration instead of comp competing. Oh, great insights. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? Oh man, well, Evernote is one of my absolute favorites. I use it every single day. One resource that I recently got turned on to, and it is a, uh, it's a very basic resource called Audio Acrobat. I think I paid $20 a month for it, and it's not even that highly. Uh, there, there may be even better ones out there, but it allows me to quickly record all of the phone calls, cell phone calls, whatever that I'm doing. So if I'm giving, if I'm giving advice to a friend or if I'm, giving, um, if I'm doing consulting advice, I can just quickly click over almost like three-way calling, dial it in, and it starts to record the call. There may be an app that even makes it easier, but this is super easy because every time that you give advice, every time that you talk about business, that you, that you brainstorm with somebody, you are creating potentially highly valuable intellectual property that can be peeled away, repurposed, and uh, you never know where that's going to go. So my mentor in the licensing business 
uh, really impressed upon me. Record everything you do that is even the least bit important and uh, go back. And oftentimes, if it's a good conversation, I'll send it to my transcriptionist, have him transcribe it, and I'll come back and take notes. And that kind of goes in my library of intellectual property because you never know when you're going to be able to use that uh, at another time. And by the way, I use Evernote for that sometimes as well. They have a little audio feature. I'll just sometimes record into there. But uh, keep building a library of my own intellectual property is something I think that everybody should, you know, should start doing because you never know where that's going to lead. Powerful stuff. Well, our listeners know that you can find links to this resource and everything else that we've mentioned in today's episode by going to entrepreneuronfire.com slash Brad Costanzo. So Brad, if you could recommend a book for Fire Nation, what would it be? A book, man, there are so many great ones. Um, it kind of depending, and I'm, I'm such a voracious reader. I'm trying to think what book I just read. Well, one book I read just recently, and I absolutely love it, is Microscript Rules. Uh, so it's Microscript Rules. I can't remember the author's name at the moment. It has a lot to do with creating microscripts. Like they go, they go beyond taglines, but the subheadline of this, uh, of this business is it's not what it's not what they remember. It's not what people hear. It's hear, what they repeat. Bingo. Have you read the book or have you just looked Bill it up? Bill Shiley. Did you just look it up? I just looked it up. I cheated. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's not what they hear. It's what they repeat. So creating that, you know, that repeatable almost mantra in somebody's mind about your business or service. That's one of the books I just recently read. I probably can, you know, email you offline a handful of the other books that I, that I love and have been timeless resources for me. Blue Ocean is another Great book that oh, I love. Great book. And Brad, Fire Nation also knows they can get the audio version of this book for free by going to eofirebook.com, a gift from Audible for Entrepreneur on Fire listeners, eofirebook.com. So Brad, this next question is my favorite. It's kind of tricky, so take your time, digest mm-hmm. it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I'm going to give credit to this, to this kind of quote to the person where I heard it from, uh, as opposed to, because I've, I've never had an original idea in my life. Instead, I've borrowed brilliance throughout my career. Nice. So I, I heard almost the identical question posed to Jay Abraham, you know, big time marketing guru, who said, if you took away every single one of my marketing and business tactics or strategies, except for one, what would it be? Relationships. Uh, yeah, very, very close. Okay. But he said the ability to control an asset and decide what to do with it later. So because the way my, my brain works who else? What if? Why not? I'm always thinking, okay, who else has a, a really valuable asset, uh, information, brand, whatever, and what are they not doing? I'm constantly look for, looking for, who cares what they are doing? What are they not doing? What are they missing? And then where can that be deployed very, very easily simply by utilizing these relationships, by, uh, by plugging into things that already exist as opposed to reinventing the whole wheel. I may not need, need anything to do with this, but I would, I would find a way to contact the person. Um, so I, I don't have an exact subject, but let's just say uh, I wanted to make money by selling, oh, let's just say sales, tra- you know, sales training in the business world is a, is a, is a 
very, 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 very big market. So maybe I find somebody who is a uh, who is an info product owner, a guru who sells sales training. The next thing I do is I'd find a company who maybe needs to educate their salespeople or their customers or somebody else on uh, a topic, and they don't know really what to do. I would go to that. Uh, I would go to the person who owns the intellectual property, and I would make a proposition to work together. And I would say, listen, I've got a, I've got a relationship over here. Or I've actually got a couple of relationships of people who desperately need what you have to offer. And they have a lot of people that they need to serve. Um, may, they may have thousands. Maybe it's an insurance company who has thousands of insurance agents, and they'd love to train them on, uh, on sales skills and get them better. Now, that company could go out and hire for, you know, you know, they could hire, they could buy, they could do a, a million other things, and they usually have really big budgets to do this. Or we can put your information in front of them, and I've already got that relationship, right? By the way, I, can't, I may not be telling the complete truth. I may be going to this intellectual property owner without having that other relationship in hand. That's okay. I'm trying to get the ability to represent this person. And I'm going to say, I want to, in essence, represent your intellectual property. Now, if I've got access to it, I can even say, look, we'll split all the proceeds from this 50-50 to make it simple. Now, I'm armed. Once they say, okay, I agree, there's nothing to lose. Now, I can go looking at businesses. Now, I can go uh, contact, I can contact them cold, but I don't have to because, well, I guess in this case, I would because I don't know anybody. I can just start saying, listen, what are you doing to educate your salespeople better? What, what? training are you giving them? How are you educating them to, to be more productive? Well, it just so happens that I've got some world-class intellectual property, some training that normally sells for, who knows, $997. And what we're going to do is we're going to make it available to you. You can give it to your salespeople. Pay us $5 a head per month, every single month, and you'll get everything you need. Um, this is the concept of selling through another company of, of leveraging what I ask the question, who else has what I need? Well, who else has the intellectual property? Well, this sales training guru, who else needs it? Well, the, there's a million companies, unlimited companies around who, well, uh, what if I give them what they want and I facilitate the transaction? And when I do that, I take a piece of the business. And I might not start making money after seven days. It could take a couple months. It really depends on how big of a deal you're working with. But that's the way my brain thinks. Who else has what I need? What if I am the dot connector in between the two? And I may not spend $500 at all. I might spend that on beer. Brad, it is an understatement by me saying you have given us some actionable advice right there. And we are all better for it. Share how we can find you and then we'll say goodbye. You can find um, you can find me in many places. It, my publishing business is M I H stands for Make It Happen. M I H Publishing dot com. You can my consulting business is Costanzo Marketing dot com. C O S T A N Z O Marketing dot com. Yes, I get referred to as like George from Seinfeld all the time, <laughs> but I, I use it as a uh, you know you're never going to forget my name. But uh, th th those are the two best ways to find me. You know, at the time I I'm not selling products to people. I'm not out there, you know, hawking information products to say, buy my stuff. But I'm happy to work with anybody who thinks that uh, they'd like to leverage their own intellectual property as, um, you know, and, and are looking for advice, uh, show you how I've done it. And, you know, if I can provide value to other people, uh, usually the karma comes back in spades. 
Well, Brad, Fire Nation knows that they'll be able to find the links to your websites and everything you've mentioned of value throughout this entire interview at entrepreneuronfire.com slash Brad Costanzo. Thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much, John. My pleasure. Awesome Podcast Productions. Tim Page. TheAwesomePodcast.com. What? Let it bump, though. Trying really hard to get conversions on my website But the Google guys decided that my SEO was not right I didn't know a panda or a penguin could be a killer In 48 days I love the work I do just like Dan Miller My WSO isn't very good as you know But I desperately need some dough so that I can go and meet James Shramko and Dan Norris. I try to keep my income smart and passive like Pat Flynn does. And ignite and light the EO fire like my friend John Dumas. Tim Conley told me, Tim, there's really only room for one of us. Dan Andrews just said, yeah, buddy. What up, Ian? I'm too tired to stay up late nights. With Mark Mason, Andy Ritchie's giving me an entrepreneur's education. Eventually, I'll be a millionaire like Jamie Tardy. Chris Ducker's name rhymes with, well, you get the idea. Awesome podcast. What up? What you know about that I am type stuff? Some of you guys take this stuff too seriously. <laughs>